Joey Mills here with the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. We have another bonus episode for you today. I recently had the chance to talk one-on-one with author Carrie Harris. Her latest book, Liberty and Justice for All, is the first book in Marvel's new prose publishing initiative. Carrie's book is the first of Marvel's X-Men novels. We discussed how she came aboard the project, setting the bar and setting the direction for Marvel's X-Men books, and how her work as a tabletop gaming creator informed her experiences as a writer, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. All right, so joining me today, we have author, and I'm excited about this one, tabletop game creator, Carrie Harris, whose latest book, Liberty and Justice for All, is the first X-Men book in Marvel's new prose publishing venture. So first of all, I want to thank you for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Before we get to the book, um, just kind of, we've been doing this lately with all of our guests, but just checking in, how have you been these last few months? (laughs) Are you hanging in there? Yeah, yeah. We're actually in the last uh, couple of days of quarantine. Oh, I got to do one of those recently as well. Yeah. Nobody nobody is maimed yet. Mm -hmm. So... So I think we're doing okay. Your yours went all right too. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had a close exposure in school, so I had one of the three kids had to stay home, and we had to do the online learning for a couple of weeks, and we yeah. all got through it. We're all alive. Well, how has COVID impacted the way you work? I mean, as an author, you're used to working from home or from somewhere where you have your area where you like to write, but with everything going on, how has everything impacted the way you the way you write and handle your business well as you can see i'm in my bedroom (laughs) um (laughs) because it's one of the only rooms in our house with a door right um i actually wrote half of this x-men book sitting in the car in the garage um because i have three kids too and and so they're home and and my husband is working from home fairly often so He's in another room on a meeting right now. I'm closed in the bedroom. And um, you just got to kind of squeeze it in wherever you can. I think all of us are just doing our best, aren't we? Hopefully. (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about how this project came together. We know that Marvel announced their whole prose initiative earlier this summer, but you've been working on this book for longer than that. Is this a project that you pitched or was this something that you were approached with and asked to, to work on? Uh, kind of a little bit of both. Um, okay. You brought up the tabletop gaming thing. Uh-huh. And actually, that's part of what got my foot in the door. Um, so I worked in uh, tabletop games, mostly RPGs, for uh, a few years. I designed a few games. Uh, I was an executive at a indie game company. And I wrote a few tie-in novels while I was there. Um and so uh, Aconite, which is the, the publisher that's actually putting these together for Marvel, um, put out a call for people to write game novels. And I thought, oh, this is perfect for me. And, and 
threw my name into the hat. And it was just a few days later that they made the announcement that they'd also signed with Marvel. And um, sent out a note and said, here are the lines that, that we have. And if you'd like to pitch for one of these two, let us know. And I wrote back immediately and I said, I will come to your front doorstep. <laughs> I will dress up. Just please let me write for the X-Men. Um, and, and sent in a few pitches just for X-Men because mm. it's always been my favorite. And they picked one. That's great. And yeah. it's not just one. It's the one that's kicking off the line. So that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of fun because I got to to talk a little bit about what the line could look like. You know, if this is the first book, this is what it would mean for the rest of the line um, and, and how you could make it work. Right. Uh, so that was really fun. We'll talk about that a little bit because you've, you've kind of set the bar. But with this also, you've established time and place in the X-Men timeline. And as I'm sure you're aware, Marvel has kind of reset things in the last year, 18 months with the X-Men. So yeah. why, why these characters, why this time frame? why um, kind of plant your flag here? Well, you know, one of the directives that they gave us was that they really wanted to give some of the characters who hadn't gotten their spotlight time, mm -hmm. um, time to shine. And so the way that I decided to approach it was uh, pick some characters that, unless you're a diehard comic fan, you probably don't know, um, and then pair them with familiar characters so that theoretically the book would appeal to, um, you know, long-term comic fans like me. I've been reading since I was in high school, which was a long time ago, um, or somebody who saw a Marvel movie once and is interested in knowing more, but doesn't know where to start with a comic, you know, this is, you can pick up one book and read it start to end to get a full story. Um, so I knew that was what I wanted to do. And um, I think that this time in the, in the Marvel timeline is a huge time of upheaval, especially for the X-Men. There's a lot of characters that people don't know, so there's plenty to choose from. And it also gives you a unique look at the mansion and the school because there's two schools. One of them's not at the mansion. It's a, it's a fun environment to play with. So you talked about you know, pairing up some, for lack of a better term, relative unknowns with some of the more legacy-type characters, but you did it in a way in this book that isn't just taking a new name and face and slapping it onto something we've already known. You challenge the perceptions and the stereotypes and what we think we know about some of these characters. So talk to us a little bit about that as well, because I was surprised at the direction you took with, I don't want to call them our villains. Um, I don't even want to call them using the game design. I don't even want to call them our mini bosses because at some point they're part of our party. Again, using our tabletop language here. Um, so talk about how you made the decision to challenge some of the things that we think we know about some of these established characters. Well, you know, and it's kind of hard to, to do this without giving spoilers. Yeah, so I'm, I will tiptoeing around. No, everything. You're doing great. <laughs> so my editor calls, there's one, um, Key character who uh, 
most fans of the X-Men will know. And my editor calls him the grumpy uncle. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he is cranky. He is grumpy. He is not nice, but he's also not all bad. And in the comics, we see a variety of sides to him, mm-hmm. many of which are bad. Um, and I actually read uh, an interview with somebody who had written this character, and I can't think of who it is. And even if I could, it would probably be too much of a clue to name right. names anyway. But I saw an interview about somebody who had written this character who said, I don't want to redeem them. They're not redeemable. And, um, you know, I thought about it and I thought, no, they're not. But they're also still a person. Mm-hmm. You know, they have stuff in their pockets. Like at one point, one of the characters is like, I assumed they'd have all grenades or, <laughs> you know, bad things. But there's a snack in this character's pocket. Because even though they are not a good guy, and probably not redeemable and don't even want to be redeemed at the end of the day, they're still a character, a person with a, with a life beyond I kill things. Right. And to that point, while the question of redemption is still, you know, one that isn't, is addressed, but not, there's not a definitive answer. I felt like, and it's not in a way that you were copping out, but you were leaving the door open. Um, at the same time, there are seeds for potential redemption scattered throughout. So it's interesting. I feel like the way you took that on without saying, well, it's got to be this or it can't be that. Um, But again, approached it as any other character devoid. uh, Yes. Carrying some of the baggage that we're used to and that we're all familiar with, with this character, but at the same time going beyond going, you know, and and you've done that throughout this book with challenging the perceptions. Why do I need a team? And and, and that's not the only character that um, might be considered irredeemable to fans that you address in this. And and you tie those characters and their potential redemption together very well. Um, It's it's interesting to me the way that, yes, you've addressed the bigger issues that the X-Men franchise, the X-Men property has always addressed, which is stereotyping and individuality and decisions and how you approach those things while at the same time doing it in a way that doesn't feel preachy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you've, it, 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 it all serves the story and everything that, that's in there. So I, I particularly enjoyed all of that. That's um, great. So to that point, I, did enjoy reading this book. I can't help but feel like if this was like 10 or 12 year old me and I saw this like at the school book fair, <laughs> you know, I would be uh, like, Hey, there, that's the one I'm getting. Um, talk to us a little bit about crafting the story because it does feel even before I had done the research, cause I received a advanced copy to review before I had researched your bona fides. And so I mm-hmm. didn't know the gaming background. And yet as I was reading through it, I'm like, this feels like, and I, I associate with a video game. It's like, there's a video, this is a video game. This is the mini boss battle. And at yeah. that point, the stakes are either raised or completely changed in ways that make absolute sense. Um, but this is something that, yes, I, I loved it now. And I couldn't imagine being a young reader, getting my hands on this. Talk about the joy of crafting the story and having those little twists and those little turns and those things in your back pocket to kind of hit the reader with I, that's, there's gotta be satisfaction in, and seeing those things not only played out, but played out well and in a way that's like 
somebody's going to read this and they're really going to enjoy what I just did here. Well, I mean, you hope so. It's it's equal parts exhilarating and terrifying, mm-hmm. um, I think. And, and part of it is that I'm, um, you know, I'm writing in a world that I'm a fan of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, not only do you have kind of the inside look at what people expect and, and what you would want personally from an X-Men book, but also um, it means a lot to you. So you're terrified you'll screw it up. <laughs> um, but so the the process, one of the nice things about it was that uh, there was a tremendous amount of support uh, from, from Aconite and from Marvel so that um, a lot of the major questions about what I could and could not do um, were gotten out of the way before I started to draft. So we went back and forth and back and forth with with um, summaries and outlines and, and exactly figuring out exactly where this would fit in the timeline. So I, I have all the comics. I can tell you it hits between this issue and that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which made it easier for me because then I could say this has happened and this hasn't mm-hmm. definitively. And so I know exactly where the characters are and what they're dealing with. Um, <clears throat> so then it was a matter of putting together the actual plot, which like you said, it, uh, I approached it as if it was, if it was a game. Um, and in games and in game writing, there's this real balance between character and plot. Mm-hmm. And so you want your characters to have cool things to do that affect the plot. But if you leave it too open, then nobody knows where to go and what to do. Whereas, um, you know, you want your plot to be strong enough to give your characters guidance and cool things that challenge them, but you don't want to feel railroaded. So as I was outlining, I was looking for... Uh, switching back and forth between those moments where characters drove the plot and then the plot drove the characters and back and forth and building up progressively through the mini bosses and the mooks. Um, you know, you have your mooks and, and you fight those and those are easy. And then you fight your mini bosses, which are harder, but give you a chance to show off. And finally you get to the big boss, which is holy bleep. Stuff just got real. <laughs> yes, and you do. You get, uh, you get there, and you do it in a way yeah. that you you plant Chekhov's gun very well throughout and reference it multiple oh, times. So when it hits, it was like, wow, I didn't think it was going there, but at the same time, it's like, okay, she was taking me there the whole time. I just wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention. So um, that's fun. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because a lot of authors fall into one of two camps, and they're usually very divided. It's either oh, it's, it's all character and they drive the plot. And some of those authors, you can tell that's the case because you get to yeah. the, the, the final, you know, even into the, the last half of the last act and you're like, okay, they obviously had no idea what they were doing or others <laughs> are very much plot driven and those usually tend to be dry and dull. So to hear you talk about the balance, I think is interesting because you don't hear, I, or I don't hear a lot of authors talking about balance it tends to be like much of everything else in our society very polarized one way or the other so it's interesting to to talk about that because i think it's important and you do it very well it does feel like if this were a game this would feel like i was playing the game but it is very much and it's all about it's all about the character so it's it's good to hear that you talk about that because i don't think enough enough new authors or young 
young in their career, not necessarily young age authors, they feel like they have to pick one side or the other, I think. And not a lot of talk is about that balance and finding that middle ground. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and also, you know, as you're, as you're looking at a project like this, you know, one of the things I was thinking was, okay, you know, bringing these characters to novels as opposed to comics or film or cartoons, what can I do that's different? You know, what do, what do novels give? And, and really it's an insight into character on a level that, that you can't quite achieve. I think talented comics artists are odd <laughs> words, <laughs> comics artists and authors, uh, can do a great job of making you um, aware of the character's mental state and emotions. And um, there are some really terrific issues that, that do just that, but you don't get the deep insight into how this person thinks and feels the way you do with long form prose. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I wanted to make that a real driver of what happened. No, I agree that, you use the inner monologue or the inner voice very well, I think, with these characters, especially, like you said, they, these are not household names for most folks. Right. Um, I want to ask real quick about the title and release date. Were those set <laughs> before you started writing? Because Liberty and Justice for All coming out on Election Day um, felt like that was that was a decision that was made. And then you got to write a story that doesn't necessarily play heavily to either of those themes. The story's fantastic, but I did question like, wow, that felt like that was a decision that was made before there was even a story or a writer attached to a story. Well, the title actually uh, came about during an earlier draft of the story, okay, uh, which had the Liberty Bell in it. Okay. And so the, the title made perfect sense. <laughs> Uh, and then as we adjusted where it fit in the timeline and exactly who was going to be involved, uh, the Liberty Bell fell out uh, because it was too physically too far mm -hmm. for them to get to um, if they're at the Weapon X facility versus the mansion. And so the question was, you know, does it get retitled or, you know, this is kind of themes. Mm -hmm. Um and so the the title stayed, but we didn't have a release date at the time. And uh, the release date was also set by uh, the absolutely fine folks at Aconite, and they're all British. <laughs> so they weren't so necessarily I, paying attention to November yeah, 3rd. Yeah, I'm not sure they necessarily <laughs> knew. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I say that uh, people should get a copy and either you can read it while you celebrate or read it while you're eating ice cream out of the container, depending on how you feel and what happens. Or read it while you're waiting in line if you haven't voted yet. So Yes, that too. Very good. Well, tell us where can, if, if people are interested in this book, Liberty and Justice for All, or if they're interested in some of the other stuff that you've done. You've published a wide array of books in a number of genres, ranging from young readers to adults. Um, where can they follow you online? Where can they find more of the books that you've written? Kind of plug where they can, where they can find you at. Well, um, the home for all of my books is carrieharrisbooks.com. Um, and if you want to chat with me, I like to procrastinate on Twitter. Um, I am Carhar, C-A-R-R-H-A-R-R, -R -R, and I 
have been posting a lot of X-Men stuff lately. We made an X-Men bingo card, and I want someone to play X-Men bingo with me. So <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. That sounds like fun. So talk to us lastly, just to kind of wrap up. Talk about, we, we kind of touched on it in the open, so we'll kind of bring it full circle. Talk about the challenges of releasing a book in a pandemic. <laughs> because I, I can't imagine, because you cannot, you, you, well, you're quarantined. You can't leave the house, really. There's not a lot of conferences. There's not a lot of, even this could fall into, you know, a comic book convention. I could see you in the author's row for something like that with this book. But those are all canceled for the foreseeable future. So talk about the challenges of, of getting the word out. Well, I mean, I think you've hit a lot of it, which is, uh, I I tend to go places. I throw release parties. I sign books. I, you know, my my kids come out and they they try to sell my book, um, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. Um, but it, all of those things are impossible right now. So um, things like this uh, make a huge difference to authors. Reviews make a huge difference to authors. Keeping people writing. Um, because at some point it becomes a thing that, that you simply can't afford to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of us are just kind of trying to find a way to, to pivot, but also to be sensitive because it's a little weird to say, Hey, come buy my book about superheroes fighting robots. Well, people are sick. Yeah. Um, you know, so anything people can do to support their favorite creators. Uh, really makes a difference at a time like this. Very good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Best of luck again. The book is Liberty and Justice for All. It releases on Tuesday, November the 3rd. Make sure you pick up a copy and follow Carrie on Twitter or check out her website. There are a ton of other books you may be interested in there as well. So thanks once again for taking the time to talk today. Thanks so much, Joey. Thank you. Again, thank you to Carrie, and thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be bringing you more bonus episodes over the next couple months before returning full-time in January 2021 with weekly episodes of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast player and follow us on social media at PGTC Podcast and online at popgoestheculture.com for new episodes, how you can be a part of our live recordings, watch parties, and a whole lot more. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a happy holiday season. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture podcast network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.